The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome, everybody, into the overreaction post-game show. That's right. I've officially changed the name for the next 20-some-odd weeks. The the show, the overreaction podcast, is now the overreaction post-game show. So welcome into the overreaction post-game show, brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Multicast Network. I'm your host, the voice of the Overreaction Post Game Show. My name is Joe Miller, and you can, as always, find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. It is so good to have you guys with us. I tell you what, the uh, the mafia is on point. The mafia is legit on point for the recording of this show. I uh, logged in about 10 minutes before the show was going to air live, and there was already 10 people in the room chatting before the show started, which is uh, just proof to show that uh, <clears throat> the mafia is already in midseason form. We can feel it, fam. We can feel it. The season is right around the corner. We're two weeks away, <clears throat> and we are already just ready to consume Bill's content, but... We got a show to do, and as I always like to say, whether this podcast finds you around a cup of coffee, on the drive to work, at the gym with your AirPods in, or watching me live right now on YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, or Facebook, let me just one last time say welcome. Welcome to all the new people uh, in the chat. Ryan Johnson, it's good to have you in live. I saw Amanda's in. I saw Brian Bowers is in. Mr. Diggs is in. Richard, Richard Rush is in. Jessica Tennis is in. Just a whole bunch of people are up in here. EB is in the house. Scott Blakely's in the house. I know I'm missing people, but uh, it's good to have all you guys with me here live. It's also great to have those of you, the thousands of you that are going to download this episode as a podcast in podcast form and listen to it on Monday and Tuesday, Victory Monday and Tuesday. Uh, but uh, it is, like I said, so good to have you guys here. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about some game recap tonight. We're going to talk about, uh, I, I titled the show, I think, uh, about closing the gap, something to that effect. We're going to talk about you know whether or not the Bills have closed the gap. But before we get to any of that, as I said, we are just two weeks away from the regular season. Cutdown day. Everybody needs to be aware of when cutdown day is. Cutdown day is Tuesday, August 31st. That's this Tuesday. 
the Bills have to be down to 53 players. This football team has some seriously tough decisions in front of them. Very hard. I would love to know some of your guys' thoughts. I'd like to see some of the conversation in the comments section just about what you guys think this team is going to do, how you feel like the draft, or not the draft, I should say the depth chart has potentially changed. If you want to get my attention, if you want to if you want to talk to me about a certain player, if you want to talk to me about somebody that's out there in free agency or a trade that might pop up, the Super Chat is there at your discretion. We are Super Chat Live. If you want to get my attention, that's the best way to do it. Otherwise, this is a podcast, and I am not ignoring you in the comments section. I just have a show to do. So if you want to get my attention, please pot, uh, Super Chat me, and uh, we can uh, break down and talk about that for a minute. But this team, this Buffalo Bills team, has some serious, serious tough decisions to make. And frankly, I'll be honest with you, I have I have legitimately no clue. I know I know the top 20, 30 guys, 40 guys that are absolutely 1,000% on this football team that aren't going to Stephon Diggs, right, Josh? I know those guys. When you start getting into the the, the nitty-gritty and the meat of this roster, like the, the, the running back room, obviously the defensive line, whether you're talking defensive tackle, defensive end, and Brandon Bean made some interesting comments uh, during the broadcast of the football game about the defensive line. Two of them, we're going to touch on those in a second. If you didn't hear it, I'm going to I'm going to reference them so you'll be up to speed. Obviously, kick returner, punt returner. You know, we we've all sat here this whole time, this whole offseason, pretty much hoping that Isaiah McKenzie was going to be the guy, and we kind of were feeling it. The face of the franchise. It was fun. We all love Little Dirty. It was great. He gets hurt, but even before he gets hurt, you know, the Bills had drafted Marquez Stevenson, and Marcus Marquez Stevenson starts showing up, not only in the kick return game, but in the punt return game, which wasn't a big deal until, like I just said, Isaiah McKenzie got hurt until he hurt his shoulder, and we don't know what the, the severity of that injury is. I believe that McDermott said he's either he's between day-to-day and week-to-week. But what's the depth chart on that? Marquez Stevenson looked pretty good on Saturday. I have no idea. I have I have no idea. The wide receiver room. Do we have any idea what's going to happen in the wide receiver room? Past Isaiah McKenzie, Gabe Davis. I mean, Isaiah is my <laughs> Isaiah McKenzie was a lock to make this roster. Has Marquez Stevenson pushed him hard enough that he's not a lock? And I'm not saying I'm not saying anything bad about Isaiah McKenzie. I love love Isaiah McKenzie. I'm just saying <laughs> there's some seriously difficult conversations. To be had. How about Fromm versus Davis Webb? The Bills gave Jake Fromm a lot of time on Saturday. Were they trying to find out what he could do if he was just as relaxed in that game as he was potentially in the Lions game and then potentially in the Bears game? Or were they showcasing him for a trade? I'll be the first to admit to you that that Davis Webb's playing style fits as a backup after, you know, in post uh, Mitch Trubisky fits Josh Allen's game and, and what this team wants to do a little better than Jake Fromm, but Davis Webb looked great in that Lions game, and he hasn't looked great since, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not texting my mom to tell her how great Davis Webb has looked. I don't think any of you guys are either. So I have no idea. But there's a huge, there's a huge log jam, especially with the defensive, uh, the defensive ends on this defensive line. If you did not catch the broadcast, if you were at the game like I did and did not record the game, which I did, 
Brandon Bean spent almost the entire third quarter with the broadcast crew. During that time, he made a couple interesting comments, a couple interesting statements. One of them was that he confirmed that they are getting a lot of phone calls about their depth on the defensive line, primarily the defensive ends. And he feels like this week, since that game on Saturday was played, that they're going to field more phone calls. And they're going to have to make some decisions based on how they come out health-wise of this football game. And as far as I know, they came out completely healthy. Completely healthy from this football game, at least on the defensive line. So what he said was if they come out healthy, they're going to evaluate their depth. They're going to evaluate what they want to do, who they want to keep, who the best fits are. And then they're going to evaluate trades and what they could possibly get for certain players. What does that mean? Immediately, my, my mind goes to who is it, right? Who, who could they possibly move for assets? And don't get me wrong, assets are a great thing to have. If I, if I had to pick a guy, send Mario Addison packing. Don't trade F.A. Obata. I want to keep F.A. Obata on this football team just out of potential. I want to see what he does. But we, we're not going to find out for a couple of days, right? So it's there's a little bit of like uncertainty. I'm getting back to it. Frankly, I have no idea. I don't want to see Daryl Johnson off this roster. I like the kid. I've liked him since his rookie season. I thought he flashed his rookie season. The Buffalo Bills have some serious, serious, difficult decisions to make. And then you tie in with that. They did a long spell, and they were asking Brandon Bean about a guy like Justin Zimmer. And by the way, Justin Zimmer's mom is on Twitter. She follows me, and I follow her. She's a fun follow. You should follow Justin Zimmer's mom if you're on Twitter. But they asked him about the fact that Justin Zimmer's on this team and what a surprise he was, and Brandon Bean talked about and, and went on about Justin Zimmer, about how they signed him in early August last season, and when you sign a guy that late, it's very much a, this guy's probably not even going to make our football team. And he just did so many things that they couldn't keep him off the field. He made the practice squad, and even on the practice squad, he did so many things in practice that he was causing the offensive line fits. And because of that, they had to put him on the game day roster. And oh, lo and behold, what does he do? He punches out a fumble on Cam Newton against the Patriots that win the, win the football game. And Brandon Bean felt that that was a momentum shift for this entire team for the rest of the season. That had he not done that, had he not been in that game and they had lost that game, who knows what would have happened the next week against the Seahawks. And then he went on to finish it with, and I'm not going to quote because I'm probably paraphrasing, I didn't write it down, that Justin Zimmer is a very important part of this football team. Justin Zimmer is a very important part of this football team. So where does that leave you in the conversation and idea that somehow Brandon Bean is going to cut that guy? <laughs> Do you cut very important parts of your football team? I, I don't. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Is he untouchable? Is he a lock? I don't have an answer. We're going to find out soon enough. Very soon. Very soon. It was weird to see F.A. Obata and not Vernon Butler as much playing late in the football games. It was weird for me to see Vernon Butler playing late in the football games only because he was listed, I think, as the number one or number two defensive tackle. 
And he's getting scrub time against the Bears and against the Green Bay Packers. Concerns me a little bit that F.A. Obata, I know they've got to put guys out there. I know it's a situation you've got to have a defensive end. Even in the preseason, you got to play people. I like F.A. Obata. I like the potential that he brings to this football team. I like the length. I like the strength. I like his body type, his quickness. I think he fits rotationally with a guy like A.J. Epinesa, a guy like Groot. Even Jerry Hughes, who's not as long, but very quick. It was obvious in this football game that there was a clear package for Matt Breida. <clears throat> they were trying to do some things with Matt Breida in this football game. Whether, again, he was also being showcased for a trade or he was being showcased to find out, is this kid going to fit on our football team? It was obvious they were doing some different things even than what they had done last year with the running backs for Matt Breida in that football game. They were putting some things on tape. And then, as I said before, I've been saying it since the Lions game, Marquez Stevens is continuing to make a case that he cannot be cut. Why, Joe? Why can Marquez Stevens not be, get cut? Because if they cut him, as much as we all like to say, eh, he'll make it to the practice squad, the dude might not make it to the practice squad. There are teams out there, the Buffalo Bills are one of them, that would like to be more secure in their punt return, kick return game. This kid has shown that he can do it. Punt returns and kick returns. He was a kick returner in college, did not return a single punt return, and he has shown that he can do it in, at the, in the pros. And, oh, by the way, he can run routes and catch footballs. And he's fast. They've got a lot. They've got a lot of difficult decisions to make. And I, I for one, I don't even want... I'm glad I'm not in that room. I'd be sweating bullets. It's, I'm glad I'm not a player on this football team. I'm glad I'm not. I'm not. I'm glad I'm not on the staff of this football team, because Bills Mafia is going to lose their minds one way or another. There's no way that it's going to be like, yeah, I can see having to cut that guy. It made sense. I know we love him, but no, that's not what we do. We cue the name of the show. We overreact. And it's it's funny because people are putting it in there that he won't he won't clear waivers, and Steven, Stevenson will get uh, G Seal. So Stevenson will get snapped up immediately. So what do you do with Isaiah McKenzie? Because you've got a carbon copy of him, kind of, sort of, in Cole Beasley. You've got the better version of Isaiah McKenzie as a slot receiver in Cole Beasley. Does that mean all of a sudden Isaiah McKenzie's not a lock to make this roster? <sighs> Jessica Tennis with the Super Chat. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, Jessica. Go heavy at defensive end. Hardest position to find good ones. If no trades happen, go seven defensive ends, four defensive tackles, this issue will resolve itself next year. Butler or Zimmer have to go. In my, if it's Butler or Zimmer for me, it's Butler. Butler's gone. I, I was on the Pat Moran show at the very end of the season, and we were talking about just doing a season review and player positions and stuff like that. And I literally said to Pat, and it was the truth. And this is what I I don't do this for a living, but this is one of my favorite hobbies, and I love football. I said to Pat at that time, I couldn't tell you what number Vernon Butler even was at the end of the season. And like numbers and guys and names, that's kind of what, that's my thing. I love that. I know he's 94 now. Then I didn't because he never did anything in a football game. So for me, Butler would go, Zimmer would stay. They talked about that though. They, they literally talked about, thank you, Jessica, for the super chat. Thank you for being a part of the show. They talked about how many you're going to keep. 
And Brandon Bead said, that's something we have to think about. We have to consider how many of these guys we're going to keep. Same thing with the wide receiver room. Are we going to keep six? Are we going to keep seven? Tough spot, man. It is a freaking tough spot to be in for this football team. Real quick, Jay Spence, the King, and I will be at Deion Dawkins' uh, Rally the Wagons party September 3rd here in Buffalo. Jay Spence, the King, is flying into Buffalo that Friday. Sterling Furrow is also flying into Buffalo that weekend. He'll also, Sterling and Jay Spence will also be around for the home opener. But uh, Jay Spence, the King, and I will be at the Deion Dawkins party. Rally the Wagons September 3rd. Uh, we're then planning on doing a live on-location recording of the Hump Day Hotline in Buffalo on Wednesday, September 8th. I don't know, for those of you that were around last year, Last year, we did a live recording of the Hump Day Hotline at Magruder's in Depew. I don't think we're going to go back to Magruder's this year. We're, we're thinking maybe we want to do O'Neill's. I put a call in. I need to make some connections. That's the same place we did the uh, uh, Rock Power Report. I did the Rock, Rock, Rock Power Report with John Fien a couple weeks ago. But we're looking at September 8th, uh, doing a live recording of the Hump Day Hotline Wednesday, September 8th. So if you are going to look to have some fun opening, opening day weekend or opening day week, which is what we're doing, if you're going to be around, and you want to come out and meet Jay Spence, the King, and I and be a part of our show, uh, by all means, uh, stay tuned for that information. Then we will be at the Soho Party on Friday, September 10th. If you want to go to the Soho Party, uh, which is basically where it's like the biggest party for uh, the home opener weekend, the amount of like Bill's personalities and characters and everybody that's going to be there is insane. If you want to get money off on your ticket, put in the promo code HUMPDAY. And you'll get five bucks off your ticket. That's Friday, September 10th. Jay Spencer King and I will be there at that at that party as well. I think Sterling might be there too. And then uh, the Circle of the Wagon Skate Party is September, uh, Saturday, September 11th, the next day at Frank Young Sports Arena from 4 to 7. Kids are welcome. That is a charity event. So if you've got a kid, if you want to give some money to charity, there's a bunch of sponsors involved. Jay Spencer King, Bill's Mafia Babes. There's a whole bunch of people involved in that one. I think Poncho's Army is involved with that one. I don't have the graphic. I'm sorry if I'm missing anybody. Uh, but the, uh, the skate party is from four to seven on Saturday. Uh, and then I'm going to do the very first, I'm going to get home in time to do the very first, uh, Bill's mafia time to shine segment live on the Buffalo rumblings multicast network, which you guys can also be a part of. And then the home opener, the big one, the big daddy, Jay Spence and I will be in hammer's lot, uh, for the home opener. We'll be there really early and we're going to be looking for mafia hugs and Kodak moments. So come find us. Come find us, if you will, in uh, Hammer's Lot on game day. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
game re recap, rather. Let's transition and let's move over to the game re recap. Sorry, my throat is dry. Game recap. It was hot. <laughs> Your ginger boy about melted. It was stinking hot. I, I work out at STA Performance, uh, Ben Woods Gym, and there's a lot of Buffalo Bills that actually, and their families that work out there in the offseason and they train there. Uh, it's it's legit. I leave that place, and when I leave there after an hour, I can wring my shirt out. That's how much I sweat. We sat in the sun. The market dominator and I sat in the sun because Amanda Amanda uh, Davy, who's actually in the chat right now, used my seat. She won them last week. We sat in the sun. Sat in the sun. We didn't. We weren't even moving around. I was soaking wet for the first half. I was soaked to the bone in the first half. And and uh, the market dominator uh, John Spaschek has a. Uh, club seats. So we moved up into the shade for the third quarter and the fourth quarter, we went like straight into the air conditioning. It was insanely hot. I about melted. It was crazy hot, crazy hot. Now to the game. I know you don't care about how hot I was. I'm not a fan of the heat. I, I'm not a fan of winter, but I'm not a fan of the heat either. I just, I don't tan well. Like I get dark. I don't burn, burn, burn like some redheads burn, but sidebar, sorry, rabbit trail. I apologize. Overall, this football game, no one really got hurt. So for me, that's probably the number one goal that's accomplished, right? We got reps in there. Uh, it, you know, players got to play. We got to see Josh Allen. Everybody pretty much played, but Stephon Diggs. But nobody got hurt, which is goal number one. It's clear from that football game that we watched that the Packers are a better football team than the Lions and the Bears. Is anybody doubting that at this point? Not, not that that's a big surprise that the Packers are better than the Lions and the Bears. The Buffalo Bills played well. They did a pretty good job, in my opinion. We'll break some of that down here in a second. But it was obvious to me that the Packers are going to have a better record this year than probably the Lions and the Bears combined as far as win total, in my opinion. Josh Allen, the $300 million man, looked like Josh Allen from last season. He looked like Josh Allen in practice from everything that we've been seeing this season. Sorry, I got to show Pam's chat there real quick. It got hidden. He looked like the Josh Allen from practice this season. He, he looked like the Josh Allen that I saw in the open practice that we went to a couple weeks ago. And he looked like a Josh Allen that has grown, has continued to grow. Which is incredible. Which is amazing. Alan, last year's, I think you know, unless you, unless you haven't really been paying attention or didn't pay attention last year, Josh Allen was great. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL on blitzes. If he was blitzed or rushed, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And even inside of that, he's always been good at finding open guys, you know, by being flushed out. He, he'd, he'd get rushed and he'd flush, he'd spin out. He'd jet towards the sideline, he'd dart, dart towards the sideline, and he would find an open guy, right? In this football game, when the blitzes were coming at his face, he wasn't flushing. He wasn't leaving the pocket. He was finding guys open underneath. He was doing what, you know, blitz beaters. He was extending plays or extending series, extending drives by hitting blitz, beater, blitz beating screens, which are generally more effective in higher percentage plays than trying to be chased out of the pocket, darting towards the sideline and trying to hit a guy in the run. Now, the good news is, is Josh Allen is tremendous on the run. Tremendous on the run. We know that about Josh Allen. He's in elite category with Patrick Mahomes. 
But if Josh Allen can add that element of rushers in my face and I'm just going to like throw the ball to the guy that you just ran by, that's growth. If he doesn't have to dart out of the pocket like he did against the Raiders and hurt his shoulder trying to make a play, that's growth. If he realizes the play is dead and there's no place to go and he throws it in the dirt at the running back's feet, that's growth. We've watched a kid look like last season. We've watched him look like practice this season. And we've watched a kid already who looks like he's grown in this offseason, which is everything that we want. Wildest, dream, wildest, wildest dreams land, baby. Hashtag wildest dreams land. I don't even know what to do. It's I love that hashtag. I love that phrase. It clearly has not caught on with the mafia, which is fine. But I'm going to say it all season long. We are living in wildest dreams land. My guy, Jay Spencer King up in the house. What's up, Jay Spencer King? Love you, bestie. Wildest dreams land. This kid is unbelievable. It's amazing. It's amazing to think that some of the maddening things that he used to do, some of the things that we used to see him do that would drive us crazy, right? As Bills fans, take off too early, right? So his first, his rookie year, he wouldn't, and he didn't have an offensive line and he didn't have great wide receivers. Kelvin Benjamin, as Jay Spencer King would say. Hit his back foot. Sometimes would even hit his back foot. Would just take off. And he was beating defenses. Not in. We wouldn't get W's out of it. He was beating defenses, primarily the Dolphins' defense and Kiko Alonso in 2018. But it's amazing to think that some of the maddening things he used to do, taking off too early or throw the hero ball. We all know about the hero ball. Things that were deficiencies in his game, weaknesses, and used to frustrate us and be a problem. We're going to discover, and we kind of did on Saturday, that they can be strengths if harnessed and used properly. Obviously, his, his athleticism, his ability to run, his ability to escape the pocket, his ability to, to escape pressure is a huge benefit. If it's coupled and parlayed with, I don't always have to do that. At some point in time, if you're always dipping outside, what happens to a lot of athletic quarterbacks is they constantly leave the pocket. And when they do, defenses begin to... They begin to uh, expect it and anticipate it. And then they start putting guys out there and then now you're leaving the pocket and you're getting crushed on the outside. The way you co combat that to grow as a quarterback is to learn how to stay in the pocket when that blitz is coming at you like Ben Roethlisberger does and Tom Brady does and hit the running back or the tight end or the wide receiver that's just behind the blitzing player. If we can assess what we saw on Saturday, Josh Allen is, has grown in that facet. Which is going to make his outside leaving the pocket game even stronger. Again, in my opinion. The hero ball is only hero ball when it doesn't work, right? It's a, it's a, neg it's a negative derogatory term. Hero ball. But when he, when he pulls his hips all the way around and like shows about a flexibility that none of us have that are listening to this podcast somehow throws a ball sideways and completes it for a first down. All of a sudden that hero ball becomes deadly crushes the defense. It's a backbreaker. People in 2020, we're already living in the world of how do we stop this guy? What we saw Josh Allen do so far in this preseason, I told people when I went, they asked me, what did Josh Allen look like in the pre, in the, in the, in the open practice? 
And obviously, we, do, we just got the first look of him in preseason. So, but, but people asked me, what did Josh Allen look like in the open practice? I said he did whatever he wanted to do. Well, what do you mean? He did whatever he wanted to do, to which the first question would always come, well, does that mean the defense was bad? And I would say, no, they were getting pressure on him. They were, they were getting in the backfield, but he would flush out. He'd run down to the sideline, and he would throw a dart to whoever he wanted to throw the football to. He was deadly. We watched that on Saturday. There was a small pocket where they kind of lost some rhythm and kind of lost some feel, but then you saw them get it back. They they methodically, he methodically moved the ball down the field and took strikes when it made sense. That third and 20 that went for 31 yards to the end zone was an uh, in another indefensible pass for a defense. It was very reminiscent to the opposite side to the Jake Kumaro throw in the Denver game last year. You can't defend that football. From where I was sitting... They were going away from me, and I was opposite the field. So Gabe Davis was on the other side. I could see Josh Allen's line of sight. Allen threw that ball before Gabe Davis flashed. So he had not flashed open yet. Allen caught him out of, out of his eye when he was when he was going through his progressions like Dan Orlovsky talked about. Caught him in his eye, and he was neck and neck, side by side with the wide receiver. And Allen knew he was going to get around him, whether it was because of the defensive back's placement, wherever he was, however he was positioned, or his hips. Allen knew. So Allen just gunned the, the ball on a frozen rope to where Gabe Davis was going to be, and it was a perfect touchdown. That was when I tweeted, we've got ourselves a quarterback up here in Buffalo because that is not a throw you see a lot of quarterbacks make. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, there's not a lot of those guys that make that, 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 make that throw. Crazy. How do you defend it? How are they going to defend this football team? And the funny thing is, is we didn't see much from the run game either. Regardless of that, I'm convinced. I'm literally convinced after that game on Saturday that this team, this football team, could beat most other teams, not all other teams. This team could beat most other teams without names in the lineup like Stephon Diggs. If the Bills had to play a game without Stephon Diggs, without Cole Beasley, they could still win, they, they could still win football games, multiple football games as long as Josh Allen is in the game. As long as Josh Allen's still playing. Wildest dreams land. I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine where this team is going to end up by the end of the season. I can't even begin to imagine the years that we're going to have with Josh Allen, eight of them in a row right now, at least eight, unless something crazy happens. Enjoy every minute of it. Take it in. The good, the bad, the frustration, the interceptions, the touchdowns, the runs, the passes. Enjoy every, enjoy the enjoy the journey, as they say. Enjoy the journey with this kid. It's going to be fun. The run game, as I said a second ago, still leaves a lot to be desired, but Matt Breida looked good on some of the short screen stuff that they were that they were working with him. And frankly, in the position that we're in right now, it's going to be interesting to see if they stick with this kid. Right? Are they going to stick with Matt Breida? I have no idea. I have no idea. Devin Singletary didn't do much. Zach Moss had a couple nice off-tackle runs. I think they both got... I think they both got called back from... Uh, or on holding penalties. It's crazy. I'd like to see more of the run game. I'd like to see more of the Chicago Bears game and the Lions game out of the run game. 
but clearly the Packers are a better football team. Their defense is no slouch. What about the defense? What about our defense? What about our defense? With how good this offense was last year, and clearly, you know, they look to repeat. We expect them to repeat this year, that they're going to be top five this year. Josh Allen is going to be top three again, right? Stephon Diggs is going to be right there. Cole Beasley, I see getting his thousand yards. Emmanuel Sanders is an addition to this football team. He's an improvement. Not a huge one, albeit a slight one. John Brown is a good wide receiver that we all love. All the pressure. All the pressure of the season is on that defense. And I'm not saying that the Buffalo Bills have to be a top five defense for them to win a Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying. But when you are the hunter and you're hunting a team like the the, the Chiefs and a team like the, the Buccaneers, there's pressure on that defense. Getting back to the AFC Championship game isn't the goal. Let's be honest, the Cleveland Browns are going to be a formidable team this year. The, the, the Browns played better against the Chiefs than the Bills did last year in the playoffs. They took them almost down to the wire. All the pressure is on this defense. All the pressure. We can have a fantastically wonderful, amazing season, go 13-4 and four or 14-3, and three, and if the defense does not come through the way that we need them to come through when it matters in the postseason, it's just going to be chalked up as another great season. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I'm here for it. After 20 years of what we went through, I'm here for all the 13-4 and four seasons we can get. 13-4, and four, let's make the playoffs. Let's do that every year. <laughs> do I need a Super Bowl every single season? No. Do I need the AFC Championship game every single season? No, I'm not greedy. But it's all on the defense. A good defense helps a good offense. A good offense helps a good defense. In this football game on Saturday, it's weird to say it, but I texted this to John Fina and he agreed. Like he sent me back a giant thumbs up and a, a ha ha. And he said, it's so true. It's weird to say it, but on Saturday, that was the best bad defense I've ever seen. <laughs> if that makes sense. Saturday against the Packers, that defense was the best bad defense I've ever seen. They, they literally, if you were to, if you were to, when the dude that came up with the idea of the bend, but don't break defense came up with it and sold it to whatever coach or owner. I got this idea. I, I've got an idea for defense between the twenties. We're going to let them do whatever they want to do. And then once they get into the red zone, we're going to shut them down. And like, hopefully our defense is going to be so good that when they get the red zone, they're not even going to score on us. That's literally what happened on Saturday. The, the green Bay Packers second team did whatever they wanted to do between the twenties, whatever they wanted to do. And the bill still shut them out. <laughs> Which makes zero sense. Literally, if you're talking bend but don't don't break defense, that's how you sell it. Well, what you do, ladies and gentlemen, on the bend but break, you literally let them do whatever they want to do between the 20s and drive the football. But once they get into the 20s, we lock them down. And they don't get in the end zone. And they don't kick field goals. And if they do kick them, they miss them. <laughs> it's crazy. That's what happened on Saturday. It makes no sense. It makes zero sense. The Ben, but Ben, but don't. If the Bills had that Ben, but don't break defense with Walt Corey in the night in the nineties, they'd have won every Super Bowl they had. The problem is, is in the in the Super Bowls they they bent and broke a ton, especially against the Redskins and the Cowboys. But we're positioned like to ask ourselves: Will the growth of AJ Epinesa and the additions of guys like Effie Obata, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, will it be enough? 
I think we've seen a lot from this defense. I think we've seen a lot from this defensive line. I think we've seen great things. Frankly, I'm excited. I know Jay Spence is excited. I know every content creator that I talk to is excited about this defensive line and what they potentially are going to bring to the table now, this year versus last year or even 2019. They are they're a different defense this year or going to be than they even were in 2019 from a pressure standpoint, from potentially a win rate standpoint, from a length, speed, and aggressiveness standpoint. I know that there's uh, statistics out there about McDermott defense that he's never had a uh, pass rusher and 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 uh, Brian Bowers or something like that, or, or uh, Chris Jenke can probably bring it up. I haven't seen Chris Jenke in the chat, but he's probably here. Um, could probably bring it up that uh, about how McDermott's defenses have never gotten more than five sacks. He's never had a ten a, a ten sack guy on his on his defenses or only has one time. This might be the year he does. Maybe has a couple. This defensive line is built completely different. And Brandon Bean talked about that during the game on Saturday. He talked about that they've got prototypical measurements, and even though some guys don't fit inside of it, Jerry Hughes and some other ones, even Ed Oliver. They know what they want, and it seems like they've now got the makeup of what they want. If this defensive line can do its job, you've got to ask yourself at that at that point, if it can do its job and what it needs to do, which is get pressure and win, not just get pressure. We got pressure last year. We got great pressure last year. Not just get pressure, but get pressure and win. If they can get pressure and win, now ask yourself this question. What does it mean for the defensive backfield? What does it mean for, for Hyde and Poyer? What does it mean for Taron Johnson? What does it mean for Tredavious White? Re, I'm going to finger quote regaining his form. Because I don't think Tredavious White is a different cornerback than he was last year or, the, or in 2019. I think he's still that same dominant guy. But we all know if we're educated and watched football for any amount of time at all, which I trust that everybody listening to my voice has, the defensive backfield very much depends on and relies on the pressure that the defensive line, the front seven, gives them. Right? And as much as there was quote-unquote pressure last year from the defensive line, they did not move the quarterback off their spot. They did not mess up with mess with passes. They did not challenge passers. They did not make them move or run around. They didn't get to them. What is it going to mean for a guy like Levi Wallace if this defensive line, if if you've got a situation like Jordan Love where A.J. Epinesa is barreling down on Zach Wilson and he just chucks a ball into the end zone, what does that mean for a guy like Levi Wallace? Is he going to get some free picks like Micah Hyde did on Saturday? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. I will say this about this defense, and then I'll close my thoughts on the defense, and I'll close my thoughts on this on this on this game. And I sent this to Fina as well, just because I'm at the point now where if you've got a, a friend, <laughs> if you got a friend who used to play football at the professional level level for 11 years, and you can text him and say, "This is what I'm seeing. Am I seeing the right thing?" And you do it right. It felt to me, and this is what I would say about the defense especially the run game because the Bills gave up gave up a ton of run rush yards in that game. It felt to me like the defense was very, very concerned about Jordan Love on those options, about him keeping the ball and running around the corner. If you have it recorded, watch it again. The way the defense flexed, the way that they kind of opened up their gaps and they lost their gap integrity because they very much were, they were anticipating or they were not expecting the runner, the running back to come downhill with the ball. 
They were expecting Jordan Love to pull it out and run around the corner. And that's what I think they were afraid of. Fina agreed. He felt the same way. He felt like the, the defense was hesitant in the run game. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen all the time. We don't play mobile quarterbacks every single week. But obviously, you would also like to see them be a little bit more stout against the run. I don't want to see what we saw last year against the run. This defense needs to be better. Starla Tulele, I thought it looked good. It was great to see him in the lineup. I thought he looked really good. Really good. I thought the starting offensive line looked good. I thought the starting defensive line looked good. I thought the rotational players looked pretty good. They got pressure. Overall, it was a good football game. Most importantly, we knocked some rust off. We got some real game action. Nobody got hurt. Outside of Marquez Stevenson getting knocked in the head and having a slight concussion. Big decisions. Big decisions this Tuesday. Big, big decisions this Tuesday. But the big question, the big question that we all want answered at this point, and this is where we're going to wrap the show up, is have they closed the gap? And before we get to that, I'm going to uh, invite my guy, the Market Dominator, in real quick. Market Dominator, John Spazcheck. I'll be right back. Hello, Bills Mafia, and welcome to the Overreaction Sports Podcast delivered to you by my good friend, Joe Miller, The Voice. This is your show sponsor, The Market Dominator. That's right, it's me, John Spazjak, Associate Real Estate Broker with Keller Williams Realty. And I'm here tonight to talk about one thing, Joe's tagline or phrase that he's coined, wildest dreams land. Folks, we are experiencing wildest dreams land with the Buffalo Bills. Don't take one day of it for granted. But I'm also here to tell you that we are experiencing wildest dreams land in real estate as well. And I'm here to tell you I've been working as hard as Josh Allen to bring you the absolute best, most excellent performance from a realtor that you will find in Western New York. And that's why we've had a tremendous amount of success. So with our cutting edge strategies and with our hard work, we wanna win for you in this super competitive market just the way that the Bills are winning day in and day out on the practice field and soon to be week in and week out on the game field. So folks, will you call me directly because I will answer my phone at 716-570-3298 if you're even thinking or considering about selling or buying a property. Go Bills. It's my guy, John Spazcheck. I love John. John's a good dude. John's a good friend of mine. I uh, gave my tickets away because McKenna couldn't go. Uh, we, she couldn't go to the game on. She was going. She went on a retreat uh, with the youth group on uh, Saturday, or I should say, this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and she couldn't. She came back Sunday morning. This, uh, Sunday morning to us. I couldn't go with her, so I gave my tickets away. I gave them away in the show last week, which was awesome. And then John called me on Friday, and he's like, "Hey, you want to go to the game with me?" <laughs> I was like, "You're sitting in the club seats." Yes, I want to go to the game with you. So we have to sit in the club seats. But I love John. Hey. But uh, just to back that up, uh, John's a good dude. Uh, give him a call. He's uh, not going to let you down. If you're looking for a guy uh, to, to uh, if you're looking to buy, sell a home and you, and you need a guy, call John. But anyways, back to what we're talking about. Big question. The big question. I need music. Dun, 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 dun. The big question. Have they closed the gap? Well, who, Joe? What do you mean? Have they closed the gap? Have they, have they closed the gap on who? Have they closed the gap on, right? 
the Kansas City Chiefs? Have they closed the gap on the Buccaneers? There's only there's only two teams left really to close the gap on. That, that those teams are the Kansas City Chiefs, the team you got to go through or that you couldn't get through last year, and then effectively the Super Bowl champions. Have they closed the gap? What do you guys think? Throw throw some comments up for me, uh, Bills Mafia, in the comments section. Let me know if you think anybody's close if they've closed the gap, and if they have, why? And if they have not, why not? And I'll throw them up and I'll read them real quick as I'm kind of giving you guys my my feelings. So have the Bills closed the gap on the Chiefs? Con Cuoco says, yes, but so did a few others. I agree with that, by the way. I think I think the Kansas City Chiefs are absolutely the hunted. Absolutely. Everybody is everybody's building their teams, other than the Patriots, are building their teams to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. For me, clearly what we saw last year in that football game, in that AFC championship game, was a football team that couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes. They could not get to him. The defense could not stop what they were trying to do both on the ground or through the air, which is something that we saw all of last season outside of the Ravens game and a couple others where the defense really kind of found themselves. Jason Taylor says, we did nothing to address the speed of the Kansas City receivers. That is true. Except the part that you're missing in that is that what we did to address the speed of the Kansas City receivers is we've we've improved the ability to get to Patrick Mahomes faster, which means that the speed, when you, when you can get to the quarterback faster than two seconds or two and a half seconds, it puts the quarterback in a situation where he's going to get the ball out faster, which negates speed. He doesn't have time to sit back there and chuck the ball 40 yards or 30 yards down the field. Dave Allen says, yes, the defense is going, is going to be better. Richard Rush, with the extra deep pressure, I think it will show that we have closed the gap. Groot, A.J. Epinesa, Fresh Jerry will be a force. Pierre Martinez, thanks for being part of the show, says, yes, at least the pass rush will be better. Pamela, Pamadonna on Twitter says, I hate to say it, but this, or hate to say it, but until our D gets a lot better, we can't go up against Kelsey and Hill. You say that, but teams beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They don't go undefeated. And this isn't an every any given Sunday conversation. Ricky Shaver says, did you watch that QB in Miami? Are you, if you're talking about Tua in the preseason, no, I haven't. If I watched him last year, yes. I have watched him. Earl Scott says we need a Chris Jones type. We'll see. Mr. Bruce Exclusive, Bruce Nolan says, I'm not going to cry about a lack of meaningful secondary additions because I'm a grown man. <laughs> so funny. It's so funny. I'm trying to keep up here. There's a bunch of them. Uh... Mr. Dick says game day needs to be different. It seems the Bills never have a playoff plan. Do something different in the Super Bowl. Well, they got to get to the Super Bowl first. And I'm not a, I'm not a believer in this. I think you obviously game plan to the strengths of who your opponent is, right? But at the very same time, you have to keep your strengths there. What you do well has to live. And I take it back to, I believe it was the 2006 Buffalo Sabres when Briere and Drury were on the team. And they won the President's Cup. They had the best record in hockey. That was the year that you would hear it on TV. I was in Columbus, Ohio. And if you guys were going to games, 
they would score seven goals and eight goals a game. And you'd hear the crowd going, one, two, three, four, we want five. And they'd score a fifth goal. One, two, three, four, five, we want six. And they'd score a sixth goal. And then they went to the, the, to the playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they completely became a defensive hockey team because in Lindy Ruff's mind, that's what you're supposed to do in hockey is when you go to the playoffs, you become a defensive hockey team. And they got beat. So I don't agree with that. I absolutely don't agree with that. Daniel Gower says the Bills have improved on the O-line and the D-line, so they have at least narrowed the gap. If they have closed the gap, we'll find out the season. We're going to find out week five. Master Park has a great comment. I'm not sleeping on the other contenders as well, Browns, Titans, et cetera. No, don't. That Browns football team is going to be good, and let's be honest, the Titans are good football. I can't stand Ryan Tannehill. Can't. I wish we could bring Mario Williams back for every Titan game just to play for that game because Mario Williams had Ryan Tannehill's number. I hate Ryan Tannehill, but he is doing good things on that football team. Ricky Shaver says, uh, we've worked on both sides of the ball. I think we have closed it a little bit, right? What else we got here? So I'm working through these comments. Amanda Davis says, I think Casey still has a pro or still is still a problem. I think the Bucs are old school. The Bucs are old school, but they're really good at it. <laughs> really, really good at it. Jay Spencer King says, I don't know who he's responding to, but we don't need a defensive tackle. <laughs> defensive tackle? We don't need no stinking defensive tackle. That's so funny. Ryan Johnson, my guy, says, I'm excited by the possibilities of this defense. I think the gap is closing, but also recognize how competitive the AFC is this year. Loaded with talent. It's weird. The balance is totally shifted. All the good quarterbacks, all the good players are in the AFC. It makes you wonder how in the world the NFC won the Super Bowl and what it's going to look like this year. But it's crazy. Jeff King. What's up, my guy, Jeff King? Good to have you in the show. Not yet defensively. These are rookies. Uh, they're good, but they are not Bruce, if everyone remembers. And I do because I'm old. Bruce was not that good in game situations his first year. We are, uh, we are unfortunately, away, unfortunately a year away on defense. That's possible. But in the, in the words of John Fina, you just never know. There is a natural expected progression, but to be honest with you, a project player, I love this comment, by the way, Jeff, uh, a, 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 a player that is considered a project like Greg Rousseau is already showing flashes. He doesn't, he's out there doing one or two things. He doesn't, he is, hasn't even like filled out his, his, his tool bag yet. He doesn't even know what he can do. And he's already winning in the preseason. On, on, on pass on pass rushes and pressure rate, pressure rates, I'm excited. I mean, it says two things: he could be effective this year, Jeff. It also says he could be really good, really good. Kosh says I'm still not sold on Milano and Edmonds locking down tight ends within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Again, the pass rush changes that. The pass rush changes. If the pass rush is something to be feared by opposing quarterbacks and, and offenses have to account for it, number one, those tight ends are going to stay home. The tight ends are going to have to stay home. If the pass rush is formidable, if you're getting home with four, they're going to have to keep those tight ends home. If the tight ends go out, they're going to know that they're not going to be able to set guys up. They're not going to be able to set tight ends up to get open. They're going to have to go out and just button hook or go out and, and like do quick dig routes. 
The whole game changes if that pass rush works. That whole game changes if that pass rush works. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been so good to have you on the Overreaction post-game show. The first ever <laughs> Overreaction post-game show, at least with that title. Uh, I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, my name is Joe Miller. I'm the hoist, uh, the hoist, the host of the Overreaction post game show. You can find me on Twitter as always at Joe Miller Wire. Do me a favor if you're on Twitter and you're not following me yet, go ahead and follow me, and uh, I will absolutely follow you back. And as I always like to tell people, I don't, I won't unfollow you unless you tweet porn. So as long as you don't do that, uh, I'll re I'll continue to follow you, and you can follow me. But uh, the Overreaction post game show is brought to you by the Market Dominator, uh, my friend John Spazcheck, who you just heard a couple minutes ago. And it's uh, on the Buffalo Rumblings multicast network. But uh, I, I just, final closing thoughts, and I don't really have many. I just cannot, I cannot wait. I'm, I'm giddy with anticipation. I'm giddy with anticipation, not only for the start of the regular season, but I'm giddy with anticipation for the week leading up to it. Me and Jay Spence and Sterling Furrow are going to be in town, and we're going to have a blast. If you guys can get out and find us, Please get out and find us. Not to mention the fact that the content that Buffalo Rumblings has coming for you is solid and I would almost say unmatched. Saturday, there's two pregame shows on Saturday. My Time to Shine show and then the Chop Up with Jay Spencer King and Kristen Kibbick is going to be on Saturday. I think Sterling's on that show. The postgame show with me on, on Sunday. I've got the John Fina Off Tackle show on Monday. Jay Spencer King Code of Conduct is moving to Tuesday. Wednesday, Hump Day Hotline. And then Friday... Friday, Friday, Friday is food for thought with Bruce Nolan and Nate Geary. We just got a lot of great stuff coming up for you guys, but uh, I'm going to let you guys go. This is Joe Miller. I love you guys. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. Whatever you got to do. Love you. As always, go Bills. Go Bills.